It's Off Exit 10, presented by Capital District Sport and Fitness. great conversations in between the working out with people right and like that's one of the that's one of my favorite parts about doing the podcast then it's like when we're talking the gym so it's nice we can chat but like we're always moving around with mm-hmm. you know two or three other people and you got to get your workout in so it's nice i'm excited tonight just to sit down and be able to talk a little bit more and 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 get in depth with some things and 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 just have a good conversation about your book and and life and, yeah. and where we're at where we're at now. Um, so everybody, we have Sue Morris on the podcast tonight. Um, so she put out when was this last year, Sue? August August twenty fourth. In August, um, oh, wow. her first book. So the sensitive one. It's a memoir about her life. Um, and we met Sue last March, mm-hmm. right? You came to the gym, um, and we knew you were kind of in the writing process then. Um, and it was awesome for Paul and I to, to read the book, and we're excited to have you on and chat a little bit tonight. Yeah. Um, definitely. So I guess what inspired you to, to write and start that process? Well, I never thought I would become a writer, right? So my career was a nurse, and um, I got diagnosed with breast cancer. Let me just go back a little bit. I, yeah. I always journaled throughout my life, you know, started like as a teenager and just journaled a lot about just stuff, how I was feeling and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes I didn't know how I was feeling until I wrote it down, right? So so I had breast cancer and um, I just felt compelled to p- pick up something, you know, and just start writing about the process, just to try to understand what I went through and, and um, try to make sense of it all. That's kind of how I did. And then um, I came across, I just started to get interested in writing a little bit. Hmm. And I don't know where I heard about a memoir, but it somehow popped, was put in my head. So I thought about it, and then I noticed a memoir writing workshop was on the East, East Coast, and I was living at St. Louis at the time. So I said, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go to this on the weekend, find out what memoir is all about, and visit my kids at the same time because they lived on the East Coast. And it just changed my life because when, when everybody – there's like about 30 of us, and they said, um, okay, write down scenes, you know, we all had pads, write down scenes that you think could be part of your memoir. I kept writing and writing, I noticed everybody was done, and I kept writing, I had like 80 scenes, I'm not kidding you, I'm like, wow, so that's a book, right? Mm -hmm. But for me, it felt really good to get those scenes out on paper, because I didn't realize they were all still there. Just stuff that we've gone through as, you know, that I went through as kids or mm-hmm. whatever. Right. And uh, so it just kind of started. I just um, just kind of started writing and see, saw what happened. And uh, something kept waking me up every day. Write this, write this, write this. So that's where it started. Like what hit me first when I started reading your book, and, and I knew we had talked about this before, is that you were one of seven growing up. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. That's wild. Like I had two siblings. And it's just you couldn't imagine a household, you know, trying to manage two kids. And you guys got seven kids growing up. Yeah, it's a lot. Is is a lot. Like, how was that for how was that for you? Like being in a household, six other siblings. So um, a couple of things that came to mind. Like you would probably have been interrupted already by somebody in the family, right? 
And I was watching something on the TV just the other day, and there was a, a, a sister and a brother on. He was a writer, and they were talking about how they had six kids in the family. And they didn't need any friends. Paul and I talked about mm -hmm. this today. We talked about today. Because they always had each other to play with. And the thing is, and they also said it, and I was laughing because the loudest one gets the attention. Do you know what I mean? Because, and we, when there's, when the, we were all together, it was horrible to try to. You'd have to interrupt or find a little bit of a tiny pause in somebody's, even if they're not done, and then you jump in. That's just how. That's just how grown up in a large family is. Yeah. Right. And I'm. There's seven. There's seven of us. We're basically all two years apart. Two sets of twins. I'm a twin, and I have younger sis sisters that are twins, eight years younger. So. Like, are you constantly fighting for attention for your parents with seven or six other siblings? Oh, yeah. And I feel like titled, okay, it's titled the sensitive one because I was the only one that ever felt like I, I always felt different. I always felt like I wanted to ask questions about what, what's going on here. Why eventually my dad started, uh, he was an alcoholic and he started doing crazy things. I'm like, why is this happening and nobody's talking about it? So my sisters, I always felt different than them. They used to say to me, oh, Susan, you're so sensitive. <laughs> it used to bug me like mm -hmm. crazy. I mean, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Like as, like as a bad thing, but it's like it's a... It's a good thing. To it be, could be a strength for you, right. right? Yeah, I didn't find that out until many years later. Like... I don't know, sometime in my 30s, a book came out titled The Highly Sensitive Person. And I read it, I'm like, oh, I think that's me, right? And so I didn't feel so weird, but as a kid, I felt really different. I felt like nobody understands me. Right. Well, right. And when you're in a house of six other kids where the loudest one, or the one that speaks up the most is the one that's getting the attention, it's like you're analyzing it while you're also trying to get attention because you're like, wait, why is this happening, this happening? And then you're, like, you're, you're not getting the attention because you're not speaking up as much and, yeah. and whatnot. So, and I mean, I, I know you talk about that in the book where you, you know, you're hesitant to speak up at times, as, especially as a kid. And that's got to be tough, especially when you're the only one like questioning things. Yeah. You know, like, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And nobody else is questioning it. They're just going with it. Yeah, the good thing is one one of the good things is we out we had built-in playmates. We we had we were in a neighborhood <laughs> we didn't have any friends over because right. we played uh, house together and uh, you know it was really funny what we used to play as kids. As well. Okay, so my parents we were brought up Catholic. We used to play communion. <laughs> Jeez, what a game! What a Sue, game! Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what a thrilling game! <laughs> We used to, I mean, literally, we would put like little scarves on our heads because back then you had to wear like a veil in church, right? Right. So, and we would, I don't know if you remember Drycorn's bread. Well, Drycorn's was like a wonder bread. You know that, you know how that, the, if you get something real fresh, it's real fresh. Yeah. Well, the Drycorn's was like that. So we would make little circles in there, put them in a little like... <laughs> I don't know, jar of something, <laughs> we would pay. We would, like, there would be, like, you know, the four oldest ones. We would play church. We would literally, like, kneel down and say a prayer. <laughs> it's like, jeez. That's because you grew up in a Catholic, you know, family and, like. Yeah, I was, I was talking to a girl, <laughs> I was talking to a girl in here yesterday, I think about communion. I, we grew up Catholic, I haven't been to church in forever, and we've had a couple of funerals lately, and. The first one, we had to go up and do, do communion, and I, like, blacked out. I got up there, and I was like, oh, 
I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. <laughs> don't put me up there. I'm not going to have any idea. I should have been playing communion. I would have known what to do then. Yeah, well, back then they didn't do the hands. I mean, you never touched the, the uh, you know, whatever. But, I mean, I can still taste the, the, the wonder, the, the dry coins bread sticking to the roof of my mouth. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, they're playing uh, communion, meanwhile, from our last podcast. We're out there. Kids are in the metaverse in right the metaverse. now with these screens on their face. Yeah, man, they don't they don't know what they have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like growing up, okay, like so then with religion as part of your life, and then you have all this hard stuff going on at home. Mm-hmm. Like, how was that for you? Like, okay, this religion is supposed to be helping me and making me feel safer and better at home, but then you go home and things are tough. Yeah, my dad was really even to the point where things started to get bad um, when I was about twelve or so. Right, and my dad. We always had to go to eight o'clock mass, so because we had to go to um, class. I don't know what it was called, like religious, like education or instruction. Right. Or, yeah. So we would go. And my dad would always go to the eleven forty-five mass. So as I got older, I would say, I don't want to go. I want to go to the dad to the eleven forty-five mass. So sometimes we would, and. Um, so my dad was pretty involved in it to the point where we had priests over our house. My parents, when they first started having trouble, they went to a priest. and um, It was all good until a priest came to our uh, parish who happened to be one of the ones that abused kids. So that was a whole nother. And that's another thing about being a sensitive person. Right. I was only like 12 and I sat in the church, and I knew this guy. I was like, every, "There's something matter with him." Like after, if you got, you're Catholic, so you know mm-hmm. after communion, um, you're supposed to go back and sit down. Well, a lot of people would just bolt out; they would leave after communion, right? Right. And he would chastise people if they're walking out of the church. He would like start like yelling from the the big crown chair, right? And sometimes he would sit there for ten minutes complete silence like he was punishing the parish and I'm like this as a little kid looking around going does anybody think this is weird <laughs> right right so yeah I had a sense that that guy was off yeah like Jordy like I've, I've talked to mom and dad and you have too probably like religion was a it was a big part of our life growing up I mean every Sunday we go to church Monday nights or Sunday after church we go to that same religious instruction and you know, at some point, we just kind of like fell off and, and stopped going. And I look back and we talk about it now, like, what if our family actually sat down and went to therapy or talked to each other about what was really going on? Because we're a quiet family. And if you're like, right, Paul, like we keep a lot inside mm-hmm. and have a lot of anxieties. And we just never talked about anything growing up. Yet we spent six to eight hours a month you know, sitting and sitting, and I know it has its place for a lot of people, right. but that's something I think about a lot. It's like, you know, just the role that that plays. Yeah, it's hard for me for a number of reasons. I, I can't even go to Catholic church these days. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, but it took me probably until, um, I don't know, it took me like until my 40s, maybe early 50s, to not feel guilty about going, not going to church on Sunday. That's right. how much it was... T- like you know, ingrained. Like, yeah, totally ingrained or uh, brainwashed, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 
my family's not very religious at all. I mean, I went to church like a couple times. I, I was baptized, but then like my mom didn't really, you know, preach us going to church or anything. We didn't go that often. I would go once in a while because I had an aunt that was very religious and at the time at least, I don't know if she still is or not, but like we used to go, like I'd go with her if I was over at her house on Sunday and I'd be like, and then, you know, you have Sunday school and I'm like, you know, I'm not a kid that's going to church regularly. So I'm like, why am I going to school on Sunday? Like it's Sunday, what am I doing? I mean, the whole, <laughs> the whole communion thing, not communion, before you make, you know, cause I made my first communion and my confirmation. Right. I was gonna say, I don't, I don't even know the steps. I just know so there's before, baptism. So <laughs> before, I mean, it was like, not a joke, but you know, you're eight years old, you're 10 years old. And after you make your first communion, you have to go to, um, confession. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. Talk about intimidating. So I would sit in confession. I would sit in confession. I already had it planned. It was always, always with my twin sister and my younger sister. And I, the first thing I would say, it's ingrained to you. Bless me father for I have sinned. I have lied to my, I have lied. That's my, no, it has been two weeks since my last confession. That's my first lie. <laughs> and then I, I said, you know, I said bad words and I talked back to my mother and father. Right. Okay, blah, blah, blah. And then yeah, yeah, you the get the penis. And then we would go out to the pew. And these are all the, there's boys and girls my same age. They're all lined up, going to do the same thing. They got the same look on their face, right? And um, the, the priest, I said to my sister, would say, what did you get? What did you get? And, and she'd come out, what did you get? So one day I got like, I don't know, the Apostles' Creed, uh, uh, Hail Mary, Our Father. I got all of them. Sometimes you get, say, five Hail Marys. That was like, oh, you're so good, right? Apostles' Creed. So I'm up there like for like 45 minutes saying my prayers. And, she, and my sister was saying, oh, my God, you must have been really bad. And I wasn't. I just decided what he decided to do that day. Right, <laughs> right. But you didn't know that as a kid. I must be bad. Right. Yes, but you think. Oh, do you have, and then he started asking the new guy, do you have any impure thoughts? Oh, jeez. I, I didn't even know what that was. Yeah, How old were you? At 11? Right. 12? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. Mm. Oh, so. Yeah, that's weird. It's like, I don't know, I think it's important to like believe or just see the world as like more than yourself, right? And that's what religion is, I think, to a lot of people is community mm -hmm. and, and believing something bigger than yourself and, and acting in ways that are more beneficial than just selfishly. So I think that's a good outlet for a lot of people, but it's like, I don't know, I think we went about it differently growing up and, 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 just, and just wasn't there. You know, but when I, when I got diagnosed with breast cancer, which is the beginning of the book, mm -hmm. Uh, I was 50 years old, and I got back down, I got on my knees, and I said, I started saying prayers just like I did as a little kid, because that's, I, I, I know, that was so devastating to me, I didn't know what else to do. Right. Well, is like, that what you did when you were a kid, too, though? Yeah. It was like you would pray, right? Yeah, we would so. pray. You know, I had the same thing. Um, it was always the same prayer. Right. And it's sad, because my prayer would be, um, you know, uh, bless, um, I don't know exactly how it started, but God, I would say, God bless my mother, my father, my grand, my grandmother, my grandfather. They were, I was close to them, and please um, make Dad not wake us up tonight. That's as I got older. Right. I was a little, little older. Right. And I thought, wow. Because some of those stories from the book are, they're intense, Sue. Definitely, yeah. definitely they're, intense. They're so, in so growing up, so so the book starts. At, 
when I'm about when I'm 50 years old, and I like and I, Paul and I were talking about this about how movies are made. Yeah, I'm a big fan how movies are are st start off at one place, kind of near to the present time, and then they go back. You know, and if they do it correctly, it, they can go back and forth, and it's not confusing. I wanted to do that with my book, and I'll tell you, it was confusing. I mean, but eventually I had. Uh, I had a couple editors and then had a develop, developmental editor help me. And I literally had all my chapters placed out on my dining room table. It comes up, I'm like, oh, that goes there. It was, it was a little confusing, but that's how I wanted it. And I hope it played. But so it starts there, and then it goes back to my childhood. Because what, what happened to me, um, I started having... Um, like PTSD symptoms. I started, when I got diagnosed, I started rocking myself to sleep at night. And I used to do that as a kid mm -hmm. when I was afraid. I used to do that afraid. And I was like, it's like all of a sudden, sudden something took over my, my brain. I was a little girl again, afraid and scared. And I was like, I couldn't figure out why that was happening to me. Mm -hmm. um, because, so I'm 50. I went through, I started therapy in my early 30s throughout my 30s, 40s. I'm like, I dealt with all that. You know, I dealt right. with it. Mm -hmm. Well, like, one and done, right? Yeah. Like, right. wasn't wasn't the case. That's not how therapy works. <laughs> wasn't the case. You know, it's just, uh, it's kind of like the body keeps the score. The, there's a good book out there that everything that's happened to you, your body does keep track of it. I think you mentioned you know? that book in your book. Yeah. I, I, think, I think you did. Because it was it. a life changer for me because I, I couldn't figure out, um, you know, why. It's, it was like an unconscious thing. Mm -hmm. You right. know, I'm just like rocking. And then I had all these nightmares come back. And I was, a, I was okay going through cancer treatment because if you notice the theme throughout my book, I am kind of a survivor. Mm -hmm. I just kind of go with the, you know, go with the flow. But then I fall apart many, much later. Right. Well, and with the way it's structured, I mean, like you said, we talked about it, like whether it's a, you know, like a movie or a TV series, but also with the way, like if I had to stop reading at a certain chapter because I had to come to work or whatever, if I started reading the next chapter and I was a little lost, I would just go back to the previous, like say it was one of the flashbacks. I'd go back to the previous flashback, read like the last sentence. I'd be like, oh yeah. And I would be able to pick right back up. So it was never, to me, the way it was written made it a much easier read and I don't like reading I've told you this like I'm not a big reader but like it made it an easier read I was able to read it pretty quickly um, and I told you like you know sometimes I struggle with you know That's retaining yeah, the information yeah. from the beginning to the end and like I never felt that way really unless I was distracted at, by something else like while I was reading so I tried to seclude myself but just it never felt confusing and I was always able to like if I stopped somewhere and I like started reading and I was like it's like when you read watch like we talked about like Ozark right watch a show and then you watch the flashback from the previous episode and it kind of reminds you like yeah. that's what I would do is like I'd almost go like okay let me watch my flashback quick like the last paragraph of like the previous chapter and I'd be like all right here we go now I know what's going on well Paul you even came into work the other day like Mike I got to tell you like this TV show I was watching what is it <laughs> and he goes oh no that was he goes never no, mind that was, <laughs> that was Sue's book uh, so yeah no, that, that was a real story that did happen and I tell you just to try to figure out what scenes to put in there and what not I mean you know there's another whole book of scenes that weren't in there right. you know you got to Try, that's the, that was the hardest part to try to figure out, you know, when you when you want to write a book and you want to write a memoir, what's the reason? What do you want to share? Right. You but know? it's like what you said, like you are a survivor in so many different ways, and like 
mm -hmm. had to start surviving at an age that's way younger than, you know, you're in here with a lot of different kids. And some kids, you know, they, they have tough home lives and tough situations, but around here, a lot, of, a lot of these people in here are super fortunate, and you kind of got, learned what diversity was super, super mm -hmm. young, earlier than people probably should. So, like, can we talk a little bit about, like, the earlier chapters yeah, in, in yeah. your book? It's like, you know, the first kind of adversity you faced was, what, home life, learning about as you grew up, your dad and his drinking, and then his, uh, uh, just kind of how he was at home towards, towards you guys. Yeah, so my dad was a really loving guy, you know. Um, he was just very sensitive, very quiet, right? So um, and we all knew through our childhood that my dad lost his dad when he was 20, 21, and he never got over that, you know. And so there would be times that at night my dad would be sitting on the uh, cellar stairs with a beer, crying and crying and I'd say I'd go up to him what's the matter dad and he'd tell me about it so I think it just started escalate I don't know why you know we, we've I've gone back to ask my mom because eventually he lost you know he he was a smart guy he he went to he went to um, Western New England College at night it took him a long time to get his law degree and um, he liked it but my mom told me at one point that he just became almost catatonic one day at the office when we were young and he was supposed to go to the hospital and get kind of checked in and, and he just refused it back in that day you don't have mental problems you know what i mean or mm -hmm. mental illness was mm -hmm. not seen as anything that you could talk about it so so something escalated then of course you jump forward till i was 15 and my sister got diagnosed my older sister i'm the second born I got diagnosed with schizophrenia at 17 and I was 15. And then um, my dad's drinking just escalated to the point where, you know, he was drinking every day now. Like usually he'd come home, have a beer or two, uh, read the paper, go to bed. Um, he ended up losing his job. He ended up, you know, selling peanuts from peanut machines. But so I think my cat, my sister, because he, um, my mother and him were never on the same page of trying to get her help. Right. And that was, that was pretty traumatic for the whole family. The alcoholism plus that, it was a, a living hell in it's our household for a number of years. It's a lot to deal with, especially with a total of nine personalities. And, and we, had one, we had one bathroom. Yeah. That's wild, too. Then my dad said, we need another bathroom, and he built, you know, built one down in the basement. But... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, he tried, you know, I don't know. Do you remember Sears, Sears, Sears Roebuck? So that's out of business now, right? Mm -hmm. But it was big for him. We would come home or I'd wake up in the morning. The whole, we had a breezeway. It was filled with Sears Roebuck boxes because he bought a, a pool, an upground, an upground pool and put it together. So, you know, he was, um. He was a loving guy, but there was just something that he just couldn't, you know, resolve in himself. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's like we don't... I think he was definitely depressed, right. definitely had anxiety, and didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah, and you don't think about what your parents have been through until you're way older and go through your own shit, you know? Or like, read Sue's book. 
or reads or reads Sue's book. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you just don't understand what their upbringing was and the struggles they went through and how well, that. And even Mike, you can relate a little bit to the anxiety thing. It's like you didn't know what you were dealing with in high school. No, I, t I talk about to kids in here that in high school I thought I was just like super shy and quiet, and that was just how I was. But I was an anxious mess, like constantly, and like anxiety runs in my family, like my mother and on both sides of the family. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you just didn't know. Like mental health still wasn't, it's not what it is today right. where you can talk about it and understand it and learn and get help or, or know how to get help. It's actually mental health, mental health Awareness Month. Shout out oh. to Mental Health Awareness Month. This might be the perfect I gotta broadcast post, that. Yeah, I gotta post some things because um, I'm pretty vocal about it now, what I've been through. I've written a couple articles about you know, the five things I learned about depression. Um, I wrote about, I actually have a couple articles, what it's like to grow up with an alcoholic father. Because when I first got into treatment, I went to ACOA, they're called Adult Children of Alcoholics Meetings, like a subdivision of AA, right? And we all had the same characteristics, same traits. I mean, it's just, it's part of being a child of an alcoholic, you know? you. You become overprotective, you become, you know, um, I don't know, fearful, you, you overextend yourself, you, uh, I don't know, there's a whole bunch of traits that were all the same. So I think it's important to speak out about it. And people are doing it more. And yeah, there's a site I've been um, putting some articles on called Complex PTSD Foundation. So they deal with a lot of, uh, from depression to, all kinds of mental illness. Well, people too, right? They don't associate PTSD or they associate it with, I'm trying to think the best way to describe it, like somebody just came back from war or like major traumatic events. But am I wrong too? Like it can be from accumulation of a lot of little traumas to growing up. So they say the description of the complex PTSD site, the foundation, um, describes complex PTSD as childhood trauma because it's repeated, repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. PTSD is normal when you view that, when you think of that, you think of like somebody that came home from the war, right? Not saying that that's not complex or complicated or whatever, but it's, it's different because it's a, based on a one-time thing, but each one of those has triggers because no matter how much therapy I've had, no matter how much I've talked about or went through, there's always triggers of something. You know, you could be in a bar and somebody comes up to you and they smell like beer, boom, you're right back there. You know, and so you have to learn how to process those traumas and not bring yourself back there. And it, right. and it takes it takes a, a lot of time and some people never get to that point. Right, well, some you, people, you, you need support. You gotta yeah. find support and you gotta be fortunate to have it around you or have the, I don't know, bravery or courage, I don't know if those are the right words, to go out and pursue and pursue that support. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, support system is like the biggest thing that you need. And I mean, I was fortunate to have, you know, a great support system growing up with, between my mom and even my dad. And, you know, they weren't together ever in my life, but like they always supported me in whatever I wanted to do. And I never felt like I didn't have that. So, but growing up, I can't imagine like growing up in a house of like seven people where you feel like you don't have that support. And then it's also just like a repetitive thing that goes on throughout your life later on too when you talk about yeah i think about what you said mike about anxiety i remember being it was when my sister started going through that stuff so i'm a senior in high school 
And if we, if you, if you've read the book, you know that um, two of my sisters became um, teenage mothers. They mm -hmm. both, one sister had a baby at 15, and my twin had a baby at 17. And now you're the, you're the second-born. Second-born. So, so my first, my sister, the oldest, became uh, diagnosed with schizophrenia. So I'm almost a senior in high school. Because this all and, happened in a short period of time, right? Yes. So from, I'm going to say, 15 to 18, my life was a bit live in hell, even maybe 14. But, um, of course, their pregnancies were all related to, you know, you know, trying to find love in the right places and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And they ended up having their babies and they were living in the house. So add two more. Mm -hmm. add <laughs> two more, <laughs> two more newborns. Two more newborns, yeah. Two more. But um, everybody had their, you know, I describe it as like a tornado went through the house. Right? Right. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I think too, like, okay, so then flash forward to, I know you started talking about when you had your breast cancer diagnosis, and you were already a nurse then, correct? Right, right. And you start to think about, why did this happen to me? Mm -hmm. Yeah? So I started thinking, um, yeah, I mean, you think, you go through all that, right, when they first tell you, because I had no, no idea, you know, it was a total shock, and... And you think, wow, why did this? So, I, so breast cancer affects one in eight women, right? So I'm like, how come nobody else in my family has? Why do I have to be the one that well, has you, it? You're so, one of the, the one of eight. Yeah. <laughs> and so as a nurse, you know, I started just Googling some things about breast cancer and illnesses. And there's so much out there now. And so 10 years ago, maybe there wasn't as much. But there's some reference to childhood trauma causing they they're known it's known as adverse childhood experiences now it long-term childhood trauma affects your health long term i mean the, the increase in cancer you know even they said cancer so I, I i didn't ask the question but i proposed it or kind of alluded to it did my breast cancer cause my um or did my childhood cause my breast cancer you know, I don't know, right. believe in it, it causes autoimmune diseases, but if you go back to dealing with trauma, I think you and I talked about this, it's a cliche of, you know, you're living with a big bad wolf, right? Right. So if you see somebody that's scary or, uh, um, you know, I was going to say monster, but that's kind of stupid. If you see a big bad wolf or a big animal in the woods, you're going to run from it. Of course, your heart's going to go up, right? You talk about all the cortisol levels and the adrenaline, and, mm -hmm. and you go, oh, crap. Kind of like I remember when Bruce got attacked by an elk. Kind of like that feeling. I can't believe Bruce survived his elk attack. Shout out Wait, to Bruce. Shout out to Bruce shout out to for Bruce. surviving an elk attack. I didn't know there was an elk attack. So actually, he was, yeah, that's a, that's a good story. So it was he was attacked, and I had to go run. Because he said to me, Sue, keep running. And I'm like, what am I going to do? So, of course, my adrenaline's like crazy. I'm running up the hill trying to find people to help. I did find somebody, and he was saved. But, so, but And then, it, then my heart rate and everything goes down. I go, oh, right? What if you live with the, like an elk every day that you're anticipating an attack, right? right. You got that a level of cortisol is always up there, and that does something to your mind and your body. Yeah, it's like we live in our complex world with technology and our and our day-to-day -day, like shuffle and hustle around, but like we're still, 
you know, our cave people deep down in like our genes in our heart, right? Like we're meant to like go hunt and have this big cortisol spike, but then we go eat food and chill out and sleep. But you're right, if you have this elk in front of your face all day, every day. All day, every day. It's hard because when I was, um, uh, I would say 15 when my sister was going through the schizophrenia thing, I didn't know what catatonic what meant, what it what it was. I don't even. I think I figured it out when I went to nursing school and I took abnormal psych. So what's that mean? Because we didn't talk about it. What's that mean for people? That so don't catat- catatonia means my my sister basically sat on the couch and did not move at all. She didn't blink. I put shake shook my hand in front of her. She didn't blink. I lifted her arm up and she wouldn't put it down. She was stiff as a board and looking in her eyes, she was totally vacant. Nothing there. And it seemed for me, it seemed like forever. It seemed like weeks she was like that. But my mom was a nurse and she said, she kept arguing. I heard my parents argue a lot. We have to get her help. And my father didn't agree with it. So of course, eventually my mom went to court and got a court order, blah, blah, blah. She takes my sister and he takes her out the next day. So that was a nightmare. But going back to my feeling of anxiety, I asked my mother, I said, can I talk to you, please? Um, Because I was feeling really weird, and I'm sure it was anxiety. I thought I was going to go crazy, too. Right? That was my biggest fear. Because how old were you? 15. Yeah, it's like, it's a fair thought. So she's going crazy. Am I next? Right, like, because she was 17, right? So, like, for you, it's like, I'm the next oldest one. What's going to happen when I hit 17? And you've, you've read the book, so you know about the fire incident, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. she started a fire in our, in our uh, living room, and I just happened to wake up. Uh, and I just happened to wake up, figure that one out, right? right? And I smelt it, I went down, and I just, I lived probably like for, I don't know, six months or a year, worrying that she would kill our whole family. She would just, something would happen, right? I mean... And so I asked my mom at that, at that point, I'm like, can I talk to you? Because I feel like I'm going crazy. Real quick. Is that that bird? <laughs> I, I, hear, that bird? I, hear, yeah. I hear it. You hear it, Sue? Mm-hmm. Is, is there? I is, mean, it's is, hanging out on the roof, right? I didn't know if it was inside. That's oh, no. That's happened before, Sue, where there's been a bird in the, like we open the garage doors, and yeah, all of a sudden you I look up, it again. and there's a little bird flying around. I think he's outside, Jay. Oh. Yeah. You're fine. Fine. Are we good? I don't want a bird so swooping down and eating Paul's pizza. There's no elk in here, right? As long as there's no, no elk. <laughs> yeah, no. No. Bruce looks pretty comfy in his king chair over there. So. <laughs> then we're okay over there. Did you tell me the elk story before? Yeah, I knew about the elk story. I didn't know about before. the elk story. Like, Paul, Paul doesn't. I'm yeah. sorry. I want to know the elk story. <laughs> so you were, where, where were you with the elk? All right, I'll tell, I'll tell the elk story. So the people we were know. living in St. Louis, and we're all excited. We're like, um, let's get, I got a book on uh, hiking and places to go, because really, we like to do that, right? Bike riding, whatever. So we went to, I, I picked out a, a place in the book, and it said the elk park, and they have elk, and they have bison roaming around. And we're like, okay, so we'll go there. So um, we're all ready, and they got a big, like, log cabin look like uh, shed. We go in there, and we see signs. We don't see any signs of, like, be aware of the elk or, you know, this is elk baiting season, perhaps, or nothing. So we start following a path, and we notice there's, like, nobody else, like, walking around. (laughs) They're driving around in cars, and we're like, hmm, well, I don't know. So we just continue, and Bruce and I take turns. 
like um, walking in front or walking in back. And Bruce, because the joke is like, I'm not walking in back, Bruce, because if I get attacked by something, you're just going to leave me, right? So, um, so we're going along our way. We see so to, the, to the corner, corner of her eye, we see this big animal, right? I've never seen an elk up, up, up close. And How big was this thing? Almost, almost the size Bruce? of a, I'm going to say um, a six-month-old moose, maybe. I don't know. The thing was huge. But think of a deer, a huge deer and a moose have a baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? So so we're walking and I'm like, Bruce, do you see them over there? And they're they kinda like I thought I thought they were kinda like deer. They're just gonna, you yeah, know. Let's go feed and they them. did, they didn't do anything. And then um I was walking in back and we just switched. Bruce started walking in in uh in the back, I started walking in the front. And all of a sudden you hear this rustle like leaves. And this this elk comes, you know, like, like, you know, like smoke coming out of the nostrils. And I like look back and I said, oh my God, what, what am I gonna do? And Bruce said, Sue, keep running. <laughs> and so I kept running and then it, going through my head I said to myself okay is this one of those defining moments that you find out if you leave your husband for dead or you save them and if I don't save him and they find out about it they're going to trash me in the news <laughs> so I, I hear somebody and I go up and I find these two guy, big guys and I'm like my husband got attacked and so they come running down the hill yelling yelling I guess that's the thing to do you yell and yell and yell. We didn't know. Right. This, this is hysterical. Bruce had a little knife in his pocket. <laughs> Pulled it out. He was like, should I start, should I stab this animal with my knife? There's a tree like this, right? I'm like behind a tree like this. This thing's fucking Holy I'm like, shit. What am I going to do here? Because go Google elk attacks. It's bad. <laughs> right. So we, yeah. So we survived that. We. We get in the car and we're pissed off. Well, we figured out there was another one. So there was a mother over there with a baby. So he must have sensed. Bruce must have gave him a bad look or something. I don't know. But so we get in the car. We got ticks everywhere. We stop at a rest, you know, go get lunch somewhere. And we start Googling elk attack. We're like, oh my God. Paul, did you just Google elk attack? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you could die from an elk attack. I don't want to see somebody die, but you have a video of an elk attack, Paul? Oh my Paul? God. Uh, they're all too long. So, so hence we don't. We know now why people weren't walking around. They were driving around because there's elk everywhere. You know, it's just sitting everywhere, and there's bison everywhere. And we're like, oh, well, we didn't know. New to St. Louis, right? right. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna hide. <laughs> I didn't use any. I didn't use that book again. I was so pissed off at that book. <laughs> Holy well, shit, I'm watching dude. a guy run around with trees and stuff while an elk stares at him, and I'm picturing this as Bruce right now. Does he have yeah. a Does he have a knife yeah. over there? He doesn't have a knife. So. <laughs> Jesus. He doesn't actually get. I don't know if he gets actually attacked, but the, the elk is staring. So I was down a little upset that they, 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 their feet. They do this. They're, they're massive. They're much bigger. Yeah. He's huge. That they didn't have any warning that it was mating season or you well, know calf whatever. Season or right. Calf season. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to be in line with the elk on mating season. So that was also a perfect description of... What goes down? No, of what an elk looks like. A moose and a deer having a baby. <laughs> like, that's, well, that, that, maybe that's how they started. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Is that in the deleted scenes from your book? 
Yeah, not a scene. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, some didn't warrant the book. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, boy. You know what I was thinking about last week was the, uh, maybe you can you could say the, the artist, but the pictures of the mama bear with her four cubs. Yeah. What's that called again? Do you remember? Um, That's from out there, right? Yeah. No, that that was from Wyoming. That's Wyoming, right? Yeah. What was she? What was her name? There's Thirty-three or? Yeah, it is a number thirteen, but it's it's all these pictures of uh, a mama bear with her four cubs that I yeah. think they just let roam around there. They do. But they're they're super cool, and I was telling my brother that my grandmother just passed away a couple weeks ago, and I think it's just like she had four kids, and they just think it's an awesome picture to get for yeah. my mom. Is right? This mama bear. With the four little cubs. You protect cubs. it, yeah. 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 And, and actually, she, this purse, um, I forgot her name, but she's really known in Wyoming. And I thought to myself, what? what is it, Bruce? 399. 399 is her name. And they don't see it that often around there. So we, we talk to people and, like, what? Who's 399? And they've told us who she was. And she's very, I guess, bears tend to leave their cubs after they're a certain age. Yeah, here, let's and, see this. Um, oh, that's dope. She yeah, was yeah, carrying them. She was bringing, follow, you know, having them come with her everywhere she went throughout Wyoming. But I, number one, when I was in Wyoming, I said, I could never live here because you can't walk anywhere. I mean, you can right. walk on paths, a beautiful country, but there's animals everywhere. <laughs> yeah. What do you do? We, had, we walked around with bear spray. Bear spray. Bear spray. If you come that close to a bear, that you've got to use a spray. If you need bear spray, I don't know if I'm going there. Yeah, I don't know if that's where I'm going. I mean, maybe when the meta, when the they, they ask you to take any trails, you need it. No, they want you to take any yeah. trail they go on. Yeah, when, to have it. When the metaverse starts, I might, I might start doing that. <laughs> Just go but, out in the woods. Like I'll go to Wyoming and live there. <laughs> but until then, you know, until that takes over, I, I'll, I'll keep my bear spray at a minimum. No, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I could. We talked about this, Sue and Paul. So have you and I. That first, it's nice to have change of pace of life. Like, what have you said to five years and you got to just switch stuff up? I do. That seemed to be my, I get, I'd get bored. I get bored. My first, um, my nursing job when I was in my early forties, I was, I became a supervisor. And after about four years, I'm like, okay, what else is there to know or learn? And I, I just couldn't believe that nurses, like they stayed at that job and they stayed at the same job for 20 years. I'm like, oh my. You know, people are sometimes people are comfortable with that, but I kind of wanted a challenge, so we did. And just just like uh, Bruce, when my husband Bruce and I, we got um, he was out in practice. He's a he's a OBGYN. He was out in practice for ten, eleven years, and he said, "Oh, I think I want to go back to school," <laughs> meaning he wanted to become uh, he wanted to get a become a fellow, and he wanted to be. Instead of just an OBGYN, he wanted to become a high-risk OB doc. So, so yeah. I mean, our youngest was ten. We packed up the car. Uh, I went back to work full time for three years, and he pursued his degree and then or his fellowship degree, I guess you call it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Then we moved to St. Louis, and then. Um, I don't know. It's just I, I like you know, like I said, never I never thought I would write a book, but you know, all of a sudden I'm not nursing anymore. I'm here. I came here. I took care of my mom who had Alzheimer's for a couple of years, and that uh, provided me, um, you know, reason and 
what to do. And, you know, I, I felt good about that. I was able to do that. But then I'm like, okay, now what do I do? So, right. I, you know, I feel like reinventing and anybody that gets to the certain age, you know, our generation anyway, and yours, of course, but our generation, we're just not the type that, I'll speak for myself, I guess, that I'm not the type of grandmother, I do have four grandkids, that I'm going to just give up my life and take care of my grandkids. Right. I raised my kids. I want my life. I want to travel. Mm -hmm. I want to I want to do things. I want to write. I want to go, uh, I'm taking golf lessons this year. Right? I love that. I want to go. It's the hardest uh, sport. That's the hardest sport <laughs> ever, Sue. We, we were talking before. I said, I mean, I, you just got to have one one beer hole. And, you, and, and, then, and then by the end, you won't care. You won't See, care. Paul, you don't know this about me. But or one glass of wine. <laughs> but oh. I have always wanted a little golf cart. Just so I could drive around, so you know I might have to get myself a little golf cart. You know I've always wanted one too Park when I was little. It. Listen, so. I so we just we just moved into a new house, and on Sunday I was clearing our backyard because we got a fence put in for our dog, who's yet to go to the bathroom. And the fence is driving me crazy. It's a fence for the gym. Fence for, for the gym. Yeah, fence <laughs> for the gym. But but I'm walking doing the yard work, and some guy in the neighborhood we live in like a little development, like it's not rural, pulls right up to my driveway with a golf cart. I was like, how are you? I'm Mike. Like, what are you doing? And I look, and he has, like, big graffiti all over the front of the golf cart. I'm like, oh, like, what is this? He's like, oh, like, that's Al Capone. That's, that's all these mobsters painted on his golf cart. I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> nice to meet you. Like, have, have a good day. That's, that's, that's sketchy. Yeah. Sketchy. Sketchy. Sketch. Sketchy. What would you paint on your golf cart? Um, you know, I don't know. Might just be a big bright color. Love it. Gotta see you coming. So I worked at a huh? Gotta see you coming. Yeah. Yeah. Like my golf outfit. Okay, it's very bright. Bruce said, Boy, those are bright. And I'm like, straight. I gotta you gotta be able to see me on the golf on the golf course. Right? Um We what was I I forgot what I was gonna say. I think we're talking about just like always wanting to challenge yourself. And then once you feel, I'm the same way. Once I feel content, I'm like, okay, what's the next project I'm going to do? I get the gym built up to a certain way. Systems are running. Okay, what's the next thing I can do? We'll do the pitching in the back. Okay, I get those systems running. Okay, let's do a podcast. Right. It's just that. It's, it's expanding your mind, but it's also like, I mean, and we talk about it with, especially with like the high school kids going into college is, you know, never being satisfied. Mm -hmm. Like you get satisfied with something, yes, and you're happy with where you are and, you know, the accomplishments you have, but like just because you got to point A doesn't mean that there's not more for you to do and get to. And I think that's like where for you, it's like you're, you get, you, you get very good at a particular thing. And then you're like, what more can I learn? If there is anything here, and if there's not, then you're like, I need to do something else that's going to satisfy me, you know? And that's where with some of the kids that we have in here that can relate to them in a sense that they get, they sign that offer for college sports, whatever level it is. And then they, they're like, I made it. And then they, they don't continue to like work hard or see that there's more that they can do and, and everything like that. Whereas the people that aren't satisfied continue to work hard and then they get to the next level potentially. Or that work ethic translates over to something else that they do, whether it's write a book or their job or whatever it is. So like that's something that I think is like, that I took away from your book and then just from like knowing you over the last like year is like, never being satisfied with something and always trying to learn something new. Yeah. Like that's, that's something that I, like for me that, you know, has resonated with me well. And I know like Mike too, same thing. Like he, he's somebody that's always trying to do more and learn more. And like it, it motivates me to want to keep doing that too and not be content 
because I'm happy with everything and how it's going. Yeah, I, I always thought I'd live my life like, um, you know, like consciously in the moment, right? But I really didn't, because when I got diagnosed with cancer, everything changed because it gave me permission almost to just live my life the way I want it, do the things I want to do. Like I remember, I don't know, it's maybe a family thing. Like if you're invited somewhere and you really don't want to go, yeah, but you got to go. She's your cousin or whatever. Like, no, like I don't have to go. Because what if I died and I was there? I would be mad at myself that I was there spending some my, my precious time being somewhere I didn't want to be. So that's how I live my life now. And I do very much live in the moment. I notice things more. And I thought I'd live like that before, but I really didn't. You know, maybe I have this story. I don't know if it's in the book. Um, it's called my bedtime story. So when I was going through chemo and radiation, uh, well, actually the chemo just, you know, I went through it four sessions and it just knocked the crap out of me, especially the third uh, round. I think I just slept the whole weekend and you're supposed to fill yourself with fluids and fluid. So um, I had a hard time doing that. So I was so dehydrated on Monday. You know, my blood pressure was like 60 over 40 and they, they um, gave me, you know, a bunch of fluids and stuff. And um, so um, that was good. I forgot where I was going with this. Your bedtime story. Oh, so my bedtime story. So um, you're feeling so sick and so worn out. You think, wow, am I going to, could I possibly die at 50 years old? You know, it's like a sudden awakening. I thought, oh my God, what if that was the case? What if... What if I didn't catch this in time, right? It was a really aggressive cancer, and I just happened to, uh, I, I was just getting ready to move. It was June. I was moving to St. Louis in July, and I said, you know what? I'll just wait till I get to St. Louis, get my medical stuff straightened out, then I'll get my mammogram. That would have been another year, and it was so aggressive. It was, that's why I, it was small. It was less than two, centi um, two, two centimeters, and I had to, Usually anything under that, you don't have to have any chemo or anything, and I had to because it was very aggressive. So what if I waited, right? So I thought, who would I want at my bedside to say goodbye to? Certain people that I thought would be there were not there in my head. I'm like, nope, don't want her there. No, probably not her, but him, yes. People that you wouldn't even think of that have crossed you know, I'm older than you guys, but have you crossed paths in life? I, I envision this, like, I don't know about heaven or whatever, but I envision somewhere going and my life passing through, you know, somebody's doing a video on my life and the people that you've been uh, nice to and kind to are one side, people that, you know, that you don't know that are strangers that you've been kind to or whatever, that they're all there. Everybody that... I believe there's no coincidences, right? So every like for some reason I've been blessed to meet you guys, right? And you've kept me going, kept me. I've had some depression issues this year, and you've kept me going through COVID and the laughs and the. You know, I get out of my house and come here, and I'm so forever grateful for that. But, um, you know, what if, you know, what if, you know, you don't have anything like to to to. Uh, you know, to think about or to, you know, to strive for, right? right? So um, I decided after the bedtime, Bruce laughs, my husband laughs at me with the bedtime story, but 
those people that are in my life, some of them are friends, some of them were acquaintances that I would want there because they meant a lot to me. Family members, certain family members were not there. You know, and I, f I felt bad about that, but that's how I felt. And so I try to live my life like that. I try to live my life to, to, to love and to spend time with people that matter to me. I think that's a great... Because you never know one little word you may say, right, that may change somebody's life. As a child going through, um, you know, the trauma that I went through, when I see kids now, and uh, like seeing a young child with a sad face makes me so sad and, and instead of saying like if a kid is acting out in school or whatever it's like you know god what a troublemaker right how about saying well, i wonder what happened to him to make him him or her like that that's a great perspective right yes. because everybody's got a story and not you know not everybody has uh the luxury of of, of parents that talk to you about education i went to my guidance counselor in my junior year, and I said, I want to go to college. Can you help me? And she said, because I wanted to go away. I was, I said, I just, I'm moving away. I had this plan after college. I was like, screw my, my I didn't want anything to do with my family. I wanted to move away. And my guidance counselor said to me, Susan, you're not taking college prep classes. I said, oh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I must have took college classes and then I went home one day and I said to my mom, I want to take, you know, it was like I went to technical high school in Springfield, a tough high school, and um, there was T1, T2, or college prep. And I took T2 because they were the easiest. And my friends, you know, it was all about my friends who, of course, you, you know, you never see them after high school. And mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, that changed my world. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have parents. They didn't talk about that. It was always surprising to me because my mom was a nurse, my dad was an attorney. You would think that they would, you know. I just really think they were just so overwhelmed with right. with kids and the day to day stuff that. Yeah, it's like no time to even have your college on their mind <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever. But you know what's impressive is how long post senior year of high school, did you then go back to college? I actually went, right after high school, I went to a community college. Oh yes, that's true, you talked about that. Yeah, and I became a, um, a dental assistant. And did not like it. Hated that job. <laughs> I remember. Well, I probably remember because that. I hated the guy that I worked for. That, that makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Definitely makes a big difference. I really wanted to be a dental hygienist because see, you're, you're on your own. You're doing your own thing, right? So right. when you're working for a dentist, it's like, yeah, this isn't gonna work. Right so, there. and then when did you then decide I want to go be a nurse and then go back to school again? You know, I, when I had my kids, I had my uh, kids young, and I went to a, a counselor at a community college, Stick Community mm -hmm. College at Springfield, and asked her. I had my little baby in my stroller, the first, my firstborn. She was like six months old. I said, I, I want to become a nurse someday. What can I do? And she gave me this sheet of paper, and some of my classes from my first year, they were giving me credit for, and, but, but there's two pages of like, I don't know, 10 lines on this piece and 15 lines here, and I had to fill in every one with a course. I'm like, oh God, and I was determined. I just took courses. I worked at a grocery store part-time at night, and uh, I went to school like every semester, you know, 
I took anatomy, physiology, chemistry, psychology. I was nine, eight months pregnant with my son and taking abnormal psychology thinking, oh my God, they're talking about my family up here. <laughs> it, was, it was surreal. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, I just had that drive. And then I was told by, you know, my first husband that I would never amount to anything. And so it was hard for me to kind of break through that. But then eventually I broke free of that marriage. And um, those were some tough chapters to read. Yeah I, told, those, yeah, I told Sue today, I was like, I got I those chapters, like the one, like the final straw, basically. And that, yeah. that where you finally left, like, that moment like reading up to that was was very it was hard because especially because like we know you yeah and like yeah. sometimes when i'm like reading it, i'm like i can't i like, i just can't fathom like i can't picture you like with cancer and like f like basically like frail and not being able to do things when i see you in here and how strong you are in here and like your personality in here yeah. and i'm just like I can't even imagine like seeing her like that and like what it would what how I would feel seeing you like that I knowing a, you now. Yeah, I was a different person, you know. I was very I was shy all my life. I was very much um I mean, I went from my my father who was that to a marriage who was very similar and um I was um it was my way out, you know. But you you see that though, right? Like that's that's shown in history that like if your parents or their parents were in an abusive relationship that someone's more likely. I didn't know I didn't know any better yeah. I really didn't see I, I just thought mm, he had a bad temper right. you know my thing. dad my dad you know he never really um, <coughs> hit my mom or anything but he would um, you know the verbal stuff was crazy so um, yeah you and you don't know that until you know, I think when I entered nursing school, I think it made me stronger, mm -hmm. you know, because I did everything, um, and I did that on my own, and I was in therapy the whole, you know, the whole time after that, and then I was really pretty happy. I was, I had, um, I bought myself a brand new Honda for the first time, brand, I brand yeah. new car. We talked about why you, why you, um, yeah, do the least thing and everything now. Yeah. Well, not today. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. I like to lease cars every three years because I had always had shitty cars. Right. And she you will know. never lease a Volvo. That would never. <laughs> <laughs> Get your shit right, Volvo. Come on. And then, um, so I, you know, I, mean, I was doing really well, and I bought uh, my own house. You know, part of the story was I lived in Springfield, Mass, and it was a two-family, and it was very busy, and I always wanted my kids to go. I always envisioned a little small town that's quaint. So I bought my house there. I was really doing well. And then I met my now husband, Bruce. Shout out Bruce Smith. <laughs> Shout out Bruce. Bruce Smith. Saves the day, survives I, an elk attack. I know, but I had to go back into therapy because I met him. I'm like, oh my God, I was doing so well. Because, but then realizing that I had all these barriers built up. Intimacy barriers. I'm like, I had this big brick wall built up. Like, I don't need anybody. Just leave me alone. And then, um, and he was just so different and so... Um, so I'll, I'll go, and I always thought it was because he was from California, right? It's like, oh, he's from California. He's so laid back. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I just, you know, continued that. And then I started thinking, you know what? This is kind of nice. When my kids were with their father on one weekend, I'd kind of go out and 
or the movies, and I'm like, huh, this could be kind of nice. I could spend time with somebody, but after a marriage like the one I had, I didn't really want anybody. But I've been blessed with uh, Bruce now for 30 years, so. Well, and even saying that, I think in the book you said, you said things kind of happened pretty quickly with Bruce, even though you had those walls up, like within. It, and it, it kind of goes to show you, like part of that book, I hope people take away that if you really work on yourself and you think about your own life, don't, you know, because there's a lot of people that probably want to search for the right person. But you know what? I think because I had my life together, that part of that must have attracted him because I was like, I had my own life. I had my own, you know, job, my own house, my own, you know, and I wasn't really interested. But, and he was so different than anybody I've ever met before. So, um, I think he was put there for a reason. I don't believe in any coincidences, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But it's like that constant work on yourself puts you in better situations. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I've, there was a comedy special a long time ago that I watched, like, in high school. And I'll never forget, like, the comics, like, you got to focus on, like, the star player. And, like, the star player is, like, you in the mirror. Like, don't focus on everybody else. Like, focus on the star player. You're mm -hmm. the star player. Like, you got to focus on yourself before you can focus on, you know, your friends and, and trying to find, like, love and whatever else. Like, you got to focus on yourself and everything else will come into play, essentially. So that that's something that like definitely is is a good takeaway from the book is just you you know you had your shit together when you when you met Bruce and you didn't feel the need to have somebody but then when things progressed you were like wow this is nice and things worked out not that you don't you know as a as a couple you're always going through stuff but I think Bruce and I are I don't think we've had arguments like we we never yell at each other we just don't yell in our, our household. Right, and there's just such a deep respect there that you get from just number one because everybody, every person deserves respect, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you have to, and we have different thoughts. Bruce is very smart, very, very smart, very analytical, and I'm not, you know? And so I love our discussions we have together. And when I was laying on that bed, thinking like, God, what would I miss? One of the things I really would miss the most would be sitting on Saturday, Sunday mornings with Bruce, just chilling, having coffee in the morning. It's those little things, Yeah. right? Yeah. Well, everybody so. wants to go on the extravagant vacation and travel everywhere and whatnot. And those are important things to do, but in the grand scheme of things, it is the little things. Like, and we talked about, um, I think we talked about today, like how growing up, you know, every other weekend, I always saw my dad. Mm -hmm. I like, always saw him, no matter what. Like, yeah, obviously it was part of like custody stuff, but like always saw him. And probably up until I was like 12, 13, early teenage years, always went to breakfast Saturday morning. Every Saturday morning I was with him, we went to breakfast at Caroline's Village Restaurant in Chatham. Mm -hmm. Shout out Caroline's, no longer open, but it was a great place. But every, and he always, he always used to give me shit, like, cause he'd be like, you getting French toast this time? I'm like, absolutely, I'm getting French toast. Like every time, I'm like, it's great French toast, I'm getting it. I don't want anything else. But those things like stick with you. Like those little things. Like it wasn't going to this, you know, five star restaurant or, you know, him buying me the bike that I wanted yeah, yeah. or anything. It was the time he spent with me going to breakfast and us just shooting the shit. Like and that's what watching you the TV watching the TV when we were sitting at the bar at the um, diner and like the sports that were on there. I remember they, they had the Yankee games on, like the like the replay or we'd be watching Sports Center and whatnot. Like 
like those are the things you remember as the little things, the coffee in the morning with Bruce. I'm yeah. sure Mike's got things that he can think of and even Jordan has things that he can think of as well. So those things are things that you remember and when you're sitting there and you're like, what do but, I really want? But you know? the tough part is you get so caught up in the hustle of day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. that it takes like a cancer diagnosis. Like for me, like our Jordan, our grandmother just passed away a couple of weeks ago and you see your whole family together and you're at her bedside. And it's like, that's when you stop and reflect. You're like, oh shit, like sometimes my energy is focused on shit that's really not as important as being with your family and talking to them. And it's just tough. It like takes times like that to to make you realize that we're really day to day. You know, those, we all, I those think times. we all get caught up in that though, right? I yeah. mean, you just do, you know? And, um, but there's something about a death of a grandmother. I gave you a card and it's like, the death of a grandmother or a grandparent for the first time, it just kind of makes you feel like you're an adult. And you're like, oh, this, I don't like this. That's true. The part of your childhood is like gone. It hits like, different. wait a minute. That and then, yeah. And then as you get older, like I lost my mom this year. And um, that was that was pretty hard because that's, my dad's been gone, you know. So you feel alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it, you know, but. Yeah. But that's true. Like that's, seeing. Like seeing the generation before you go, like that's my last. I got one other grandparent, but that's my last grand. That's my last real grandparent that I have in my life, and it's like, yeah, I was talking to dad on the phone after it happened, and then we were both crying. And my dad's very like tough. Like you don't really yeah, ever. I can't, I can't pick. I personally, you don't, I've known Dave you don't, forever, and I can't picture. Dave you don't crying. see him like that, and it's like hit him, and he's like, you know, it comes out while we're talking and just sharing mm -hmm. our feelings. He's like. I don't want to be the oldest one on the road, is what he says. But it's like that's a real, that fucking hit me. Yeah, mm. yeah, it, that definitely is a is a real thing. And like, I mean, Mike and I talked about it, and you know, I I lost my first grandparent when I was young, and that was really hard. And like, there's still times like, you know, I wish she was here to see certain things, um, and I still see it affect my mom. You know, there's times where her birthday comes up, or you know, Mother's Day's coming up, or you know, her father passed, my grandfather passed away. Uh, in 2012 so like when his birthday comes up or father's day comes up like it still hits her like it's still there like it's always going to be there and i think for her again it's like that sense of like you know feeling old like you're you're the the you're next up type thing like yeah no. shit, when is when is it my sucks time getting older yeah you know and it's it's a tough thing to think about but then you start you know okay what do i really want you know, and I see, you know, like what you talked about in the book, like wanting to be able to spend time with your grandkids, not raise them necessarily, but be, spend as much time as you wanted with them whenever you wanted. I spoil the crap out of them, yeah. and then I go, go in the store. You could buy anything you want. Never did with my own kids. Yeah, I mean, my, my mom's my mom's the same way. You know, I mean, she then, spoiled us a little and bit, then, but bye bye. Okay, you gotta go home. <laughs> yep. Like, yeah. Sh shout out, shout out, nanny, our grandma. Like we. Jay, what did we say last week? Like she always wanted us to be happy in the moment. Like <laughs> it could have been, we could have been robbing a fucking bank but she wanted us to be so happy in the moment she's like, okay if that's gonna make you happy like here we go let's go do it yep that that's that's what grandmas are for though man i mean you know my grandmother was the same way you know come home from school and like that that's her house was where i went after school and like that's always where i wanted to be i you know i loved being at home but like grandmas was like i'm gonna get food i'm gonna get snacks i'm gonna play games oh i have God. no responsibilities yeah I can do whatever i want <laughs> um what was I going to say? It's weird because I'm called Nona. I'm very, I'm all Irish. Mm -hmm. And uh, my daughter-in-law, no, my, my son-in-law, he's very Italian, like 100% Sicilian or whatever, I don't know, but very <laughs> Italian. And his mother is called Grandma. 
She should be the no-no. Hey, you're the no-no. I, I, I don't know. It just happened with the first one, and then it just continued. So I have a question for you guys, but I want to first give a shout-out to Liv. I told her I'd give a shout-out shout to Liv. Shout-out to Liv. Shout-out Liv. Shout-out to Liv. You still awake? You watching? <laughs> you listening? <laughs> Liv, and that's one of the, the, the fun things about um, coming here. You know, I meet new, meet new people, and I chat, and I feel like, you know, you're not alone, all alone in life. You know, you've yeah. had things, and um, you learn from everybody, you know. But um, my question to you guys was that, do you know your purpose in life, or do you know, do you get a sense of what that is? It's a great question. Because I'm struggling yeah. with that now. <laughs> I think it's, it's always changing. For me, when I'm in these walls, my purpose is to like help people gain help with the kids is to help them gain a better perspective on life like mm -hmm. they're constantly on the internet looking at bullshit they have the stressors of school and then they're involved in youth sports but some of it is great and some of it is a lot of political bs that they get caught up in so to me when i'm with kids in here that's really my main purpose to help them gain a better perspective on what life is and and how they should interact with others and treating themselves and viewing themselves I, I see you in in um full practice mode especially like i've been in here when it's been slow but very busy that's when you're in your element i loved watching you like because you're like you know think everything and you too paul you know about everybody else right you know what they're doing where they're at and then you go bounce 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 yeah. bounce and it's just so like i'm like i was like smiling one day going mike is in his element i love it <laughs> that is my element but it's like that's my that's my downside too because right that's my purpose and that's where my brain really is then it's hard to shut that off i yeah. go home and that sh shouldn't be my purpose i'm with my wife or i need to talk to my family but it's really hard for me to shut that off so now all of a sudden and that's where I'm trying to get better, especially after this past month, is like, okay, I need to be able to turn that family dial up and shut this stuff down, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it makes, makes total, total sense, total but sense. that's hard That's hard sometimes. It is hard, you know? yeah. especially because we spend so much time here. And, like, Mike, I can relate to that in a sense that, you know, if we go back to Sue's question with the purpose thing, I think when it comes to my career and things, I've found my purpose in what I wanted with that as far as like I just want to help people in any way, shape, or form. Um, whether it's, and I've said this to kids in here, give them a shortcut with weightlifting, a shortcut with choosing a college, a shortcut with the job choice, whatever it is. I, like I want to provide a shortcut so you don't make a mistake maybe I made. Or you can get to from point A to point B a little faster. But then when I leave here, sometimes it's hard to turn that off whether it's with a significant other, with friends, or whatever. We're like, you want to fix something mm. and you want to, or you want to help them. And maybe, and it's sometimes it's unsolicited help that you don't necessarily need to give them. They didn't ask or anything. And you know, it sometimes it turns them off and sometimes it doesn't like, you know, I have like one of my best friends, like I can't, I feel like I'm, Oh, I always feel like I'm trying to give him different options on things that he can do with his life, but it's never something where it's like unsolicited. And it's never like, I think that you're doing something stupid now. Right, like these are things that I think you would be good at, that I think you would find more more purpose for than what you're doing now. But if you're happy, like that's ultimately what I want. And it's it's is hard to turn that mm -hmm. switch off and just you know live in the moment when you're with your friends, your family, and stuff like that. When you spend 12 hours a day here trying to help people, not but it's so you know because I'm a nurse, right? But mm -hmm. it's so most of the time satisfying when you help others. You mm -hmm. you're 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 taken out of 
you're out of your own self. You know, it's not about you, and yeah. that's why it's so. It's rewarding. Yeah, I get more you know? excited when somebody hits a PR in here than when I hit a PR in here. Like if somebody do, does something they've never done in here, I get more excited for them than if I do something. Woohoo! I hit hundred hundred workouts. You did hit hundred workouts. Sue, shout out Sue. Sue was Sue was a big cheerleader for one of one of our people in here today. So it was it was great to see that she loved it. It was awesome. Oh my God! Um, yeah. it, it it just was. You know, sometimes we don't give enough compliments. Like I made. Mm somebody's day today too. It was a, a, a doctor's appointment, you know what I mean? And you know how it's so frustrating. It's like, I, it must have rang like 45 times the other day. So I got back on there today. Woman answered the second call, second ring. She was so pleasant and went out of her way. She said, you know what? I'm gonna call them right now to figure out what we can do. And I just like said, you know what? I want to tell you that you are just so lovely and so kind and so patient. She said, oh my God, you made my day, you made my week. And then we started talking about Mother's Day and blah, 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 but we didn't go on and on. But it was, you know, we gotta appreciate those things. Mm -hmm. You do. That, you know, like, like call the way. Yeah, what are my like two oh, fuck. rules, right? Oh like, yeah. Out of a person, what are they? I say uh, it all the time. Work hard. And? Don't be an asshole. That's it, like work like, hard and be nice to people. Like, that's, but, okay, sorry, I used the, the, you can say you know, it. That the profane word. But either way, that I mean, and that's pretty much what Mike and I and and Dan and and Connor like we've all said that like if you work hard and you're a nice person, there's probably going to be something that we can relate to. But if you're if you're not a nice person or like you don't like work hard, it's it's gonna there's gonna be some sort of disconnect there, um, especially if you're not a nice person. Like oh that's my God. the number one thing. I've gotten to know Connor just lately. Connor's one of the I nicest mean, people. He I've is ever met so awesome. I'm like Connor. Hello, we were chatting, like he is just so, yeah. We, we made, what was it? There was something and Mike said something to him one day and I remember like he felt so bad and Mike was like, I, I, I don't know why he feels bad. Like, he should, <laughs> like he's just too nice. Like, and uh -huh. it was just really funny because that's Connor. He's, he's, he, and he's got a great sense of humor too. Like, yeah, uh, we're, we're fortunate, man. I work with like, like everybody's great friends of mine. It's just, mm -hmm. yeah, and all the people in here, it's the best. I have to comment on, um, Paul's shirt, because yeah. I really like it. It's a great shirt. Fuck cancer. Yeah, fuck cancer. Fuck cancer. It's a uh, good one. Felt like it was appropriate. Yeah. Um, I mean, between not only you having breast cancer, but the many conversations we've had about my friend Steve, who passed away in yeah. 2020. Um, but we've had many conversations about it. And as soon as I was looking through my drawer for a sh cool shirt to wear tonight, I was like, ah, that's the is. one. That's the one. Um, but yeah, I mean, cancer's a son of a bitch. And, you know, you know the, the, the thing is, the stats on women and breast cancer hasn't changed in like which is crazy forever. you mentioned that in the book yeah it, it, there was that and then the uh the other one that you the other statistic you mentioned in the book is women in abusive relationships yeah like those two things haven't changed and you'd think with the advancements in medicine at least the breast cancer would and i think part of the reason why the women's domestic violence thing hasn't changed is like you just go back to what we talked about earlier and it being like a cyclical thing you know you're your grandmother, you talked about experienced it, and then your mom experienced it, then you experienced it. I don't, you know, you don't talk about it, but I don't know if any of your other siblings experienced it. And it's, it's a cyclical thing that, that goes down from generation until somebody like sees it and goes, I'm, I gotta make a stop to this. And luckily for you, you know, you went through it, but you were able to put a stop to it. And then, you know, we're able to find somebody as great as Bruce and, you know, live a very happy and fulfilling life. And, um, I think that's what one of the things I took from it is like no matter what your adversity is, you can come out of it on top and live the life you want to live. I gave you a little uh, 
post-it little post-it note mm -hmm. so i have this little saying because it's in the book too on under this at the end of one sentence it it it, it, it talks about we can all grow because i found out a lotus flower blossoms but they grow in mud so i always i said that we can all become um even though we grow up or we are born or grew in muddy waters that we can always we can all blossom to be a beautiful flower it's mm -hmm. good i like good. that yeah it's like it takes like a lot of because think about it there's so many and some people don't you know some of my sisters are, are nowhere near i where i'm at right you know they've um whatever well there, different there's, ways there's something where like you're going to come to this adversity and we want to pop that second bottle would i mean like i would like I, to. i'd like to and yeah. we, could, we could do a Can't. cheers as well it's yeah, a let's, 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 let's pop this but while jordan's popping this no it's some point where people you come to this adversity and it's either gonna make you or with some people whether it's a lack of support or 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 idea of just what their circumstance is. Support, it can, it can break you and send you the other direction. Resources. Yeah, do you ever, like the other day I was at, uh, I went for a walk on this trail, and this trail went this way, and then there's a trail off to the right, and then like, you, I find myself, like those little things make it, they're analogies for me of life, and I posted it on Instagram, I didn't say anything, but I wanted to say, right or left? You know, like, do you, do, you, do you know, what would your life be like if you continued on this? Or what would it be like if you continued that path? Some some people make movies of that, you know, like, oh, this is what your life would be if you married that one. Right. This would be like here. But um, it, it, like I told, I wrote to you, I said, you always have to listen to your inner voice. You know, I think for me, I've always had a really strong sense of inner voice. And it's like intuition. You know, I just kind of live my life. <coughs> by that it's a great sound oh it's a great sound the mic's got that right yeah. let's go all right so we got another bottle that's a of Beaujol wine that's just a Beaujolais from... yeah so you got to educate us too i enjoy a red wine but my knowledge is that like zero percent I, I did enjoy that first that... so actually that first one was really good that was from santa barbara okay bruce's um mom grew up in santa barbara is that so... the bottle i got that we yeah. did first yes. so i went to that the, was good i went to the liquor store at nine this morning which is quite the look um, <laughs> I, I, and, I almost did the same thing, but it's yeah. okay. But yeah, I don't know much about so wine. So I learned, well, I, well, I learned about Beaujolais. Bruce and I went to um, the Bordeaux region a couple of years ago on a river cruise. And we tasted the 500 bottle, dollar bottles of wine and blah, blah, blah. Of course, they don't sell them over here. It's just too crazy. But what I learned is that why I like the Bordeaux so, so much is their mixture of like a Merlot, a Cabernet, and a Cabernet Franc, or um, three different reds. And it just gives you the, the, the texture, right, of the, like, really flavorful. Yeah. What's, so like, what, what's the different, like, what let's, makes one red wine different from the other red wine? Let's cheers this before. It's the grapes, it's okay. the grapes, okay. yeah. So, cheers. Shoot a cheers. Thanks for having me, you guys. Thanks. We appreciate you so much. We'll reach my across. Yep. Cheers. I appreciate you guys. We appreciate you, Sue, and Bruce. <laughs>
Bruce and is Bruce, here. Our, Jordan's here. Thank you, Jordan. Our wall doesn't appreciate Bruce, but we appreciate Bruce very much. He must be getting close to 100. He's got to be getting close. Be. Mike, he just knew that we needed to expand to add in a second pitching tunnel. So he was just getting it started early. He's just getting it started. That's all. I mean, listen, the man survived enough with that. Can you so taste the difference in this? It's very, it's, it's a little bit more mild. Yeah. It's, I, a, it, it's called like a really smooth finish. Like that definitely has a different taste than the other one they both I, but I don't know apparently I'm gonna become a wine person so I'll sit at, sit at home and drink a nice I was telling Paul wine. today we were talking about wine and I said I get very excited about trying like a different new bottle of wine like Paul showed me the the label on that one which would have definitely caught my eye I did it what is it it's get like it a, there's an eye on there it's an mm -hmm. eye with and a then <laughs> I see what you did there and then I said I'm so excited we could try new, and I do that at home. I have a couple new bottles, and I come home, and I'll go, I'm so excited, I bought a bunch, I bought some new bottles from them, and Bruce is like, yeah, okay. And like, so did you try it? Did you like it? He's like, yeah, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> he just does it, you know, he appreciates my... Uh, Your love of wine. My, I guess my love of wine, but he doesn't, you know, he would drink anything, probably. If it's, if it's, gonna, if it's gonna give him a little buzz, he'll drink it. <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Bruce has had a, Bruce has had one beer in the gym, one beer. Yeah, I called. Him, I think I called him. Call, it was a beer. What was it? A... No, it was a, it was a single cut. Uh, it was some I, sort of beer. IPA, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and they had one of the, set the spiked seltzer waters too. Oh yeah. Oh, probably. I called him Brewski for at least a week after that. Yeah. <laughs> at least. Well, a week. He walked thing. in and that's what I called him, and Brewski? he was like, "Great, look what you did, Mike." Our daughter <laughs> Becca. Our daughter has um, when. He calls her phone, it shows right on her phone. I saw it. Brewski. B-R-E-W-S-K-I. <laughs> That's fantastic. And the fact that yeah. it's B-R-E-W and, and not B-R-U. Yeah. Like, it's B-R-E-W. Like it's not like the beginning of his name. It's 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 brew as in like beer. Huh? B-R-E-W? Yes. B-R-E-W. Brewski. It's even better. Like, Paul, the irony about in here is we definitely train like the most high school kids out of any gym around here. Yeah. And we definitely have like the most booze in our fridge at all times out of any gym around oh, here. Oh, uh, for a fact. Like, for a fact. Yeah. Always. Always. There's when always something in there. When you got to clean the gym, you have to, you know, fuel yourself. You gotta, you gotta get a little something buzz. Something about Friday nights, though, right? Like Friday night when you when you're working so hard all week, and then this time comes, so it's nice that you took the time to kind of just sit and chill. Yeah. This I mean, is. Yeah. I look forward to this every every week that we do it. One, because I mean, I think I've said this in a previous podcast. It gives Mike and us me time to talk like not about work related stuff. Right. Even though like we do talk about not work related stuff at, at work, but like, we're always constantly going. Like I mean, you said it. Like when it's busy, it's like one person, another person, another person. So it gives us time to do that, and then have more in depth conversations with people that from either the gym or from outside of here that we don't get to necessarily have those in-depth conversations because we're either bouncing around here or we're busy with life and and then again it is nice to have a nice little you know wine or drink to wind down from the week and when i get home usually from this if my roommate's home i'll have a couple more drinks and <laughs> then we'll uh chit chat it up and, and, and watch and, a little tv watch a little TV. watch a little uh, oh i'm so into ozark right now i haven't finished i, yet. I gotta get i gotta get back on the ozark train How good okay is that so show? the finish did you see the... We can't spoiler, though, right now. No, you can't. No, okay. spo no spoiler. Okay. But I don't think it'll disappoint. That's, so that's what I asked you. Yeah, I didn't you asked me. It's I not going to disappoint. That. But all the characters... Like, Ruth is the greatest character in my eyes. Ruth is definitely my favorite character on the show. Is that yours, too, or no? What the fuck is fuck, Marty? What the fuck? <laughs> 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 so good. 
and then yes. like she's that was hysterical. perfect. That's exactly how she says it too. That was perfect. She does. <laughs> She was in something else though too that you said in, and she was really inventing good. Anna also great. Oh my god, so different. Yeah, Bruce, you like that too. What's the actress's name? Paul, Google it. Just do Ruth Ozark. But yeah, she's great. Like that's two. So you know what right you're away. gonna love too though. At the end of was that the end of this season or before? I don't know, but it shows. It's a 30 minute. Oh, Bruce, um, you were saying this. 30 minute talk about how the how the how they made it. And I loved it because you could see they showed like these big screens above the house. And oh, here, you were telling me about this. There, and it's so cool because they meet, you know, Ruth talks and all the, the characters talk about how, and especially her, this has affected my life so much, she said. You know, I'll be ever grateful for this because mm -hmm. it made her. Yeah, mm -hmm. Ju right? Julia Garner. Julia Garner. Garner. That's her name. And you got to hear her. Like when she talks regular, when she was um, on some video I saw, she was laughing and laughing and laughing. I'm like... Ruth never laughs, right? Yeah, right. Ruth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ruth you know, is like. What you were know. you say? She she's ruthless. Ruth is ruthless. Yes. But yeah. I was gonna say what I like about Ozark is like at the beginning of every episode that the picture, the four pictures. That means something, doesn't it? We at, we at, we do that all the time, Bruce. We we can't get the four, so I go, you do the top two, I'll do the bottom. You always, they're <laughs> they're in the episode somewhere. Like those four symbols are somewhere in yes. like whether it's ah. like I think at one point there was like a cash register. It's very clever. Like. Though, it's like it's like a preface to what the show oh, yeah. is gonna be about. Fuck, I gotta go all the way back. Yeah. Oh no, we, we had a one that was drops. I'm like, what is that? Raindrops or right? I do Jay, remember. Did you know that? I remember there's one that's like a cash register because it's like, and there was like a bunch of money involved that that episode and and whatnot. But I remember it was like early on in like the first season when my roommates and I in New York at the time were watching it, and my one roommate was like, dude, pause it for a second. So we paused it at that, and he's like, I'm pretty sure that like. I've noticed that this beginning here shows what like this episode's gonna be about, roughly. I like an idea of what it's gonna be about. And I was like, huh. So then we started paying attention more. It took me a little yeah, a little bit to figure that out, but it does. I think it's kinda clever. It is, it's very clever. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, Sue feeds me all my T V shows basically. <laughs> that and then inventing Anna and then um the dropout. That was you, right? That was you. We got a new one we're watching, it's about the Italian um uh the Italians and how Godfather was made. What's uh, the name of that? The Offer. The offer. Yeah, that that one I, I want to watch. It's got a. Uh, I think we talked. What's about his it. name in there? Yeah, Miles Teller. Yeah. 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 We talked about this the other day, Mike. Like that was a, it's a new show on uh, Paramount, right? And we're also we're in the middle of watching um, the Lakers. The Lakers. I gotta I gotta watch that. I watched the first episode. It was really good. It was good. Yeah. What What else? I don't know. Uh, we're constantly. Yeah. Well, but how you wrote your book would be a fantastic yeah, show. Yeah. No. We you think? Do you think about that? I do, I do, um, because I just, like I said, I've seen movies like that, and I just like that. I don't like a continuous kind of, it kind of gets boring. I didn't want to just write a story about, this is me, this is what happened to me, and this is how I am now today. Yeah, but, right. Yeah, just the shifting between I mean, even timelines. just looking at the book and read it now, I've, I've grown so much. You know, I'm taking courses and getting a certificate in creative writing at UCLA, which is great. I took this... I took the semester off, as you as you probably know. I mm -hmm. haven't talked about it because yeah, you, you we're hit, always you, talking about that poetry it. class. Hits you. I'm like, I came in. I'm like, Mike, this poetry class is kicking my butt. Poetry, you have to analyze, and it takes like hours mm -hmm. to analyze a sentence. But you would tell me like the teacher would critique you, and I'm like, isn't this like subjective stuff? It is. I'm yeah. like, you can't you can't be wrong. You right. can't be wrong in poetry. That's what I so liked about I, my poetry teacher. I early on got used to. 
or I got comfortable using the, the, the correct words, you know, like this brought to my attention something, you know, like the things that you can't, you can't grade me on that. Right. I did get an A plus. Go Sue. <laughs> Expect it. nothing less. Expect absolutely nothing less. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't a good student, you know, obviously. And, yeah, I, I think too it, much going on in I, college and I mean high school and yeah. yeah, just the structure of school isn't for everybody. Yeah. We tell that kids in here and they're like, You didn't do good in your SATs? You didn't get good grades all the time? I'm like, no. no. Like some stuff wasn't for me and that's okay. Yeah. It's it's So you guys weren't brought up in this era, but I was in high school in the seventies. 74, 73, 74. There was um, busing and racial tensions everywhere. Mm -hmm. The whole, my whole first freshman year, I went down to the cafeteria the first day to eat lunch. There was, you know. Explain busing to people that don't oh, okay. know what that so is. Okay, so it's um, like the elementary school down, even if it was down my street, uh, they would bus the kids from that street to another area. So they wanted to you know, integrate uh, uh, the different races into into schools. And it wasn't acceptable on both sides. I mean, nobody liked it. You know, you're taking people out from their comfortable community and send them to a different area. And uh, <coughs> there was a lot of riots about it. The blacks didn't like it, the whites, I guess that's what they called them back then. And when I was in um, my first year, and you can Google it, let me, the, you know, it's the riots of, you know, 1970, I think two to 74. So, going down to the to the um, to the cafeteria, they were lined up and the people they were throwing things back and forth. And you know, I'm so sensitive. I'm like, oh my God, something's gonna break out any minute. I never ate down there, and there was fights all the time. I don't know how I got even got an education. I used to eat outside every every day, and you couldn't go to the bathroom. Yeah, I got in fights in my junior high school. Like, yeah. like physical yeah, altercations? Yeah, that's when the rebel, rebel in me started. I mean, you know, I had so much anger. Right. I just... Didn't I know how to a, use it. I found a friend, and we just, yeah. It's interesting you bring that up, though, because, like, my mom's around the same age as you, and, like, thinking about yeah. her growing up during that time, and, like, she was in high school, and at the same time, like, 1970, 70, 70 to 74, I want to say, something like that, or... Yeah, because she was, would have been 18. So, yeah, 70 to 74. And, like, that's a very contentious time period. Yeah, um, it's not that long ago. No, and it's not that long ago, which is crazy to think about. Like, it's a very... You couldn't go to the bathroom. Right. You know, we, I would get... I was walking up the stairs once to go to my class, and I got stabbed in the leg with, like, I don't know what it was, a needle Holy or something. Holy shit, Sue. Yeah, and some... <laughs> Um, See, you get kids now crying about wearing a mask to the library. It's like, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah, you just don't, you didn't know, I mean, what it was. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, Springfield's a tough area. That's where Dan and I went to college. Yep. Um, you know, I'm from, like, Chatham. It's, like, the middle of the woods in upstate New York. And now you place me in the middle of Springfield for four years of college. It's an eye-opening thing. It is, for sure. I try to teach my grandkids. My grandkids... You know, I think part of getting older, like, you know, it's so different because they're brought up, they probably were born with a phone in their hand, I don't know, but yeah. because yeah, generation obviously is. we didn't have that. And part of the the, the fun thing of watching, like, the uh, Lakers um, show is they got the phones on the wall. I'm like, I had a phone just like that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and, you know, of 
how simple it was, you know, mm -hmm. and it's hard. It's challenging for parents, you know, to try to just keep these kids in the here and now and not be um, comparing themselves to everybody else. Yeah, it's so easy to do that. This is a common theme in everybody we've talked to so far is that the accessibility to everybody else via social media makes it very easy. And it's our human nature to compare ourselves to others. But then you go on social media and everybody's only posting their best of times. Yeah, because then you feel shit about yourself. You go, oh, God, look at her. And you're sitting there with your sweats and your, yep. you know, your hair is sticking up in the air because you just woke up. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you're like, oh, yes, aren't you pretty? I saw a really good post from a, a guy that I follow. He's a fitness guy. But it was like, you'll never look like your favorite fitness influencer because they don't look like your favorite inf favorite influencer. Because every time they post something, it's either, it could be like a doctored photo, or it's a snapshot that they maybe have took 50 different pictures of, and they took the best one with the best lighting that made them look like they went from being a like natural athlete to like a juiced out like steroid user, but he doesn't, they, they don't. It's just the way the lighting is and all this, and it's like that's that one moment that they got. But when they walk around normally, that's not what they look like. And, but that's all the kids see is that one Thing, or that that home run that somebody hit, or the fastball that somebody threw 105 miles an hour. Right, or somebody signed this scholarship, or somebody went here on vacation, or it's tough. I wouldn't want to be a kid right now. And yeah, no, and that's why I like posting like the stuff with my Achilles because you're seeing like, okay, this isn't all my best stuff. Even like some of the stuff I post, like I'm fucking up when I do it, but I'm like, yeah, but this is where I'm got, at right this now. This is where I'm at right now. I can't balance. I couldn't balance on my foot at one point. Now I can jump off of it and do things, and it's like. Yeah, you gotta. You can show the failures with the successes. Like nobody that's been successful hasn't failed. I love the stuff you post though, because you're so. I mean, I had an ankle injury, mm -hmm. right? And you're pretty impressive on on your on your well, rehab you. and yeah. I, I you know I think you're definitely a good role model for others. Shout out Dr. Tom. Shout out Dr. Tom. Yeah, you're just my Dr. guy. Tom. <laughs> Shout it's my out guy. Dr. Tom. It's my PT. He's the man. <laughs> um, you know, he's he's helped me a lot through this and and whatnot. Even on like you know. And not every day, I, and I try to post like when I have like bad days, like even like say it in the caption, like there was one day I remember I uh, came in and I had PT and my foot was like bothering me. And I was super frustrated because I really like, I that day we were supposed to start progressing to more like dynamic exercises. Like we had talked about it and I knew I wasn't gonna be able to do it that day and I was super frustrated. But then, you know, he did like his, the massage on my calf and everything and then put me through some other stuff and I had a great PT session. I left that PT session, had a great workout right afterwards and like I felt so much better. But I posted that in my caption because it's like, you gotta know like just because I still mm -hmm. had a good workout and I'm posting this video like doesn't mean that like I was in a great mental state when it when I started. But having support from, from my PT and then also like having guys like Mike and Dan that I work with and, and people like you that come to this gym that constantly will tell me things like, I love your videos and this and anything. It helps. The videos help keep me accountable, but it also I know it's helping other people. So that also helps keep me accountable. And like that's where I think we talked about with the purpose side of things. Like when I'm posting that, like I know I'm helping somebody in some way, even if it's one person. Yeah, you're definitely affecting lives. Like I met somebody today who was she was working out and she's going to Springfield College mm -hmm. and she's going to PT. She's going to take PT. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, you guys, you must love it here. These guys are great role models. It's nice when kids like are here for years and then you see them further education in the exercise phys or in a PT or an athletic training. It's it's cool because you know, like in some small way, you 
kind of impacted that decision. We just never know. I think we, we talked about that. I mean, we touched on that briefly. But um, what I had wanted to say is that one person, a teacher, somebody you run into, could make a difference in a child's life. Like, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I didn't have that. I didn't have a teacher. Like, my fifth grade teacher, I hated her, you know, and um, she did the opposite. Like, everybody back then was taking um, French classes. Like, you could take French. Fifth grade, you, you were, you were, if you were going to take French, they would send you home with a note. I think everybody in the class got a note except for me. I went home crying. I said to my mom, I don't know, I can't take French. You know, like everybody was so cool. And my mother must have talked to the teacher. She said, yeah, but I don't think Susan's smart enough to do that. So that set me up for complete failure the next couple of years, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, I did find mentors in my 20s, though. And I write about it in the book. I had a mentor who was probably 10 years older than me that really mentored me. And then I found one in my nursing school. And, you know, one person can make a, a difference in somebody's life when you don't know what they're going through. Right. One word, one encouragement, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it, makes a big difference. I mean, today, something that made me feel really good was I got a message from one of the kids in here, and he asked me to speak at their baseball banquet at the end of the year. <gasps> and oh. I'm sitting there in my head, I'm like, what the fuck am I going to say? <laughs> I'm like, I've seen you play what like you three innings of baseball. What the fuck am I going to say? And then I told Mike, and like he's like, we'll sit down, we'll talk, and we'll we'll iron yeah. things out. And, and you're like, am I am I allowed to drop any f bombs <laughs> off this thing? <laughs> that I'm pretty sure. If it was college, maybe, but at a high school, I don't yeah, think that's gonna happen. Too many parents would be like, what? Right, but um, it's cool because like, and I asked him, I was like, well, is there anything in particular you want me to to bring up? And he talked about, he's like, you know, anything really, like whether it's playing more than one sport, how to pursue college. Um, you know, anything that I could think of. And, and like, this is a, a, the kid that I'm th talking about. Like, he is very wise beyond his years. I, I call him, I, I think I've told him this, he's like a 30-year-old in, like in like a 10th grader's <laughs> body. Like, just like his intellect and like the questions he'll ask uh, um, us here. At, like, he's always got a question that he asks us before he leaves. That's a very like deep question. Mm -hmm. And whether he gets them from somewhere or whatever, either way, he's asking the question. And it's, and then like he's, I, I always have some sort of response for him that, that I feel like is a good response. And he's always like, wow, that was really good. Like da da da. And then I'm like, but then I started asking him the question. So I reversed it on him. I'd, I'd answer and then I reversed it. He was like, oh fuck. <laughs> 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 and, but like it made him think more. And it was like, and I think that he appreciated that a lot because he's like, I didn't think about it for myself. And it was like, I, I can't remember one of the questions, but I do distinctly remember like there was one question where I flipped it on him and he was like, oh, like taken aback. And I was like, yeah, you got to think about it too. Like, it's not just me. Like, I want you to take my advice, but I want you to think about what you asked me too for yourself. And it, it's really cool to, f to get that feeling of like, you know, even though I may only know this kid for three years, a year. Brief period of time. Brief period of time, like there's an impact that I made on his life and he's going to remember it. Um, so, and I mean, I, I think about coaches that we had and I may have only had them for two seasons and they were maybe were a teacher of mine for a f couple years, but there's still like a lot of things that I take from them and I may not talk to them necessarily, but I, there's a lot of principles that I took from them that I, that I use today. No, I think having good mentors is so important and being present in the moment, like you said, and respecting others and understanding what others have been through and, and, and understanding the like adversity in your life can take you in a positive direction if you can harness things the right way, which it isn't always easy. No, definitely not always easy. But it isn't always easy, but 
No, man, your book was a great read, Sue. Like, it, it took me on a little emotional roller coaster. Sam said it would, and then just the timing of my grandmother and reading it, like, right after was, I mean, it was good. It was, like, very helpful and kind of the right timing, so. Well, and when I started reading it, I knew, because I think I told Mike, I was like, yeah, this is going to hit you, dude. Like, it's going to hit you hard. This episode of Off Exit 10 is brought to you by Anchor and the all-new Anchor Pro. Crafted to endure the most high-performance workouts without the high cost and space requirements of a standard cable machine. Named the best portable cable machine by Men's Health Home Gym Awards, Anchor provides the full functionality of a cable machine in one small space-saving unit. Designed with user-friendliness in mind, Anchor can simply be attached to any squat rack or placed on any wall in your home gym using its intuitive sliding track mount. With up to 65 pounds of resistance, Anchor is built for high-speed and controlled exercises alike, from cable presses and rows to chops and lifts. The Anchor has been a game-changer for us here at CDSF, and now you can enjoy the same professional-quality cable machine in your own home gym by heading over to anchortraining.com and using code CDSF10 for 10% off your order today. Get all the benefits of a cable machine without the high-cost installation fees. Enjoy the portable luxury and space-saving performance of Anchor today by going to anchortraining.com and using code CDSF10 at checkout. That's anchortraining.com, promo code CDSF10 for 10% off your order today. <laughs> Hi, Sue. It's been a fantastic night. I appreciate you coming on. Um, just fun, tell, fun. The, tell the people where they can find you, get your book, and, and learn more. Yeah, so um, I have a website, Susan Francis with an E, F R A N C E S Morris.com. I have a you can buy the book on there. I, you know, I tend to, I try to keep up on what's what's happening. I'm doing a, a book fair in Vermont in, uh, next month, and yeah, to learn about uh, learn about me a little bit more. And then you're on Instagram um, as well too, right? I'm on Instagram, and you know, the whole bit: Instagram, Facebook, um, and all of the information is on my website, really. Awesome, yes. So yeah. That's the best way to get it. Yep. That's the website. Best way to reach me. Yeah, people, buy the book. Otherwise, give... I'm here at the gym. At here, I'm here three days a week. Awesome. Sue's here. <laughs> and yeah, guys, pick up The Sensitive One, a memoir about Sue's life. Um, great for us, Sue. We love having you here. This was a blast tonight, so thanks for doing yeah. it. We I, really appreciate it. Highly recommend us. the book. Highly yeah. recommend it. For Thank sure. you. Thank For you sure. so much. Cool. Thank you, Sue. Guys, we'll uh, okay. we'll see everybody next time. All Thank right. you. Bye.